Welcome to Pursuing Perfectcellence, the weekly, bi-weekly, or frankly, whenever I can get around to it, glimpse into my type A-tastic journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation of excellence. I'm your host, Hannah Holmes. Now, buckle up. I'm not exactly sure where this car is headed, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a fun ride. Hi, friends. Welcome back to this week's episode of Pursuing Perfectcellence. I'm going to be honest, this week's interview wrecks me. I was so honored to sit down with my friend and former colleague, Lakira Gant, known to her friends as Key, and to her students as Miss Gant. Key is a college advisor for the Abilene Education Foundation's COOL program, which stands for College Offers Opportunities for Life. Beyond that, she is a woman who, out of her own personal crisis, recognized a need and took decisive action to profoundly impact the lives of youth and especially the lives of young women and girls of color to the extent that she was actually recognized in 2016 amongst Abilene Young Professionals 20 Under 40, a program that recognizes 20 individuals per year in Abilene who are excelling in their field and making a positive impact on the big country. Together, Key and I explore the importance of our faith, building relationships and setting boundaries, embracing cultural differences, taking chances, recognizing our own gifts, and tapping into the gifts of others, walking in authenticity, and discovering our purpose, which is often birthed out of our own personal crisis. One of the many, and I mean many reasons I value this interview so deeply is because I truly believe it represents the type of productive paradigm shifting dialogues that are both absolutely necessary and absolutely possible when people, despite differences in cultural upbringing or skin color, come together with the intent to genuinely understand one another's perspective. This conversation is important and empowering, and I'll just go ahead and urge you now to share it with someone. Don't keep it to yourself. Key's perspective and insight, encased in a gentle and unassuming yet bold and courageous spirit, deserves a spotlight. Enjoy. So welcome, Lakira. I'm glad you're here with me today. Yes, glad to be here. Awesome. So you've been getting your classroom ready? Yes, classroom, cleaning out old files, coming up with plans on top of plans, on top of plans for the school year, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of contingency plans to be made right now. We were just talking about that. Tons. That's my thing. That's, That's my jam. It is like coming up with contingency plans. plans. I love like to-do lists. I like that. Even if it's going to change, like I like to be able to look at it. You're a college advisor, a cool counselor, counselor. very aptly named for the Abilene Education Foundation Mm -hmm. at a local high school. Yes. And so how does college advising look from a high school campus when everybody gets sent home for the semester? Yeah, so talk about pivot and shifting for sure. Relationships are key. Mm -hmm. And so having those relationships to build off of made it easier for me to connect with a lot of my students. Uh So that was helpful. But challenging, absolutely. We talked about like having to meet them in drive-thrus when they're working or, you know, we did the carve my yards and things like that throughout the year. Just saying, hey, are you good? Or, you know, just different things like that. Um. That is Just so being creative good. and innovative with like how to make sure that we continue to reach them. That was that was a little challenging, but yeah. I think our relationships with them, my relationship with them, and prior to this, made it that much easier because they didn't they felt comfortable coming to me and saying, "Hey, I know we're not seeing each other, but can you here still help us out?" Yeah. So I want to talk about that for a minute because that is one thing in particular, and you're really great at a. I mean, so many things, but one thing that always impressed me about you is your ability to connect with your students Mm. so that even when they graduate and move on, they are coming back. And and I had a few students when I worked in there that would come back and they would, they would call me or, or reach out to me, but 
it wasn't nearly the volume of students that I would see connecting with you. And I love that about you. And I'm like, man, she's, she's really connecting. What's the key there? Ha, huh, key. I love key. it. Keys, <laughs> keys. I think I'm just who I am. For one, I am authentically here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kids get to see that. I, I talk to them about my past, my experiences. A lot of my kids that come back to me are first-gen students. We have some of the same stories. Mm-hmm. Um, they feel connected there for that reason. I don't put them down. I don't make them feel as if they're less than anybody else. Um, and I'm real with them. And I think that they can appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody told me the other day that one of my gifts was to be able to connect with kids on all types of levels. Mm. Um, and I think being the oldest of nine mm-hmm. and having to connect with my siblings and different personalities mm-hmm. um, at a young age and like having to figure out like how do I like how do I have a relationship with eight different people in the same family system and being the oldest that has a lot to do with it yeah um, as well and I genuinely care about them I genuinely care about if they made it through their first semester or I care about if they got to eat last night or didn't like that they know that and I feel feel like they can just they can feel that for me so that's so good so you mentioned your family growing up tell tell me a little bit about where you come from and kind of your history of what brought you to Abilene and where you are now and then I want to talk about some really great things that you're doing in this community impacting lives in a really great way so yeah so I'm the oldest of nine I was born in Kalamazoo Michigan so go Michigan born there I moved to Maryland the middle of my freshman year in high school so that was wild thinking back to it I have a a little girl that I mentor right now that's starting high school a new high school and she's you know she's a little nervous about that and I was just thinking like how nervous I was to move from a whole states from Mm -hmm. entirely different states to to Maryland in the middle of the high school year when everybody knew everybody Mm -hmm. and you're just like you're there and being the oldest my sister is one year below so she was in middle school Mm -hmm. so I literally had nobody it was just Mm. just you had you didn't even have a sibling I didn't have a sibling all them kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm still going there by myself girl I have eight brothers and sisters. They're all amazing young men and women now. I love them so much. Went to Maryland from Maryland. I knew I was going to go to college. My parents always encouraged us to go. Mm-hmm. My dad really encouraged us to go to college. My mom was right beside him doing the same thing. And so I knew for me, I wanted to be close to a family member in some way, but mm-hmm. didn't want to be like in the same city. Like mm-hmm. I knew, I knew I needed to like leave. Mm-hmm. But I needed to have some comfort of knowing somebody. Okay. And so I applied to several schools, um, and one was ACU here in Abilene. Mm-hmm. And I decided to come here. I have an aunt who's like a mentor, a second mother to me. And so I thought this was the best place for me. And then my faith and mm-hmm. um, just growing as a young lady. So Let's back up to your freshman year. Yeah. When you went and you were all by yourself, and you had to go transition to this new school all new state. <laughs> yep, new everything, new neighborhood. Can you pinpoint ways that that changed you, or ways mm. that you changed or pivoted for the first time to cope with that? Believe it or not, I am way more introverted than what people may think that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, people that are really close to me know just how much I don't like being in front of large crowds. Mm -hmm. I really don't like that. I like small circles of people and people that I'm really familiar with. And so all throughout school in general, I always had one or two friends. Mm -hmm. That was it. One or two friends besides my siblings. I relate. That was my... That was my thing. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to figure like, what does that look like in a new state? I had to learn to stretch myself a little bit. And so I decided I was going to try out for cheerleading. I said, that might be a way for me to meet new people mm-hmm. and the cheerleaders. What a great idea. Like, why not? Like, that's a good way for me to meet people. That and is so, so brave. It was, and it was crazy because people that know me, that wasn't really, like, my thing. Your personality. Like, people were like, for real? You really want to try that? <laughs> I was like, I'm doing it. Like, 
I'm just going to do it. And so I tried out for the cheerleading squad and didn't just make it, but became one of the captains. And so that helped me to pivot in learning how to stretch myself. Like, it's okay to take a chance. Mm-hmm. It's okay to open yourself up to other people more than just a small group from mm-hmm. time to time. But it's also okay to have that home base. Mm-hmm. Um, because even in my freshman year, I met one girl in my geometry class. Mm-hmm. She was a year older than me. And she became my person. Right? Uh-huh. Up until this day, I mean, we're still very, very close. So she was still my base, her and two other girls. Mm-hmm. But I stretched myself in other ways by trying out for the cheerleading squad. Um, I'm into singing and acting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So doing some of the theater stuff, I had to just stretch myself and say, let's just go for it. It's the only way. I'm just going to plug in. There, there. This is scary, but I know how to go and find ways we can learn a lot from that even as a high schooler like me now working as a realtor there are so many realtors and just today I was talking to my market center leader about plugging in because you know we have a leadership council and she mentioned that they're meeting next week and I said I want to plug in it's easy when you switch professions to go how am I going to fit in here or anything I really cringe at social situations Mm -hmm. where I know that the number of people that I do know is going to be smaller than the number of people that I don't know. And so I used to flake out. Like if I was going, even if it was like a dinner, six people, and I was going and one of my friends was going to be there and invited me to come along, something would come up at the last minute and I would have a reason to bow out. And and I used to label it as social anxiety. And I think that maybe it was social anxiety, but maybe it's just a normal tendency for some people. Yeah. Not necessarily anxiety. Or if it's anxiety, is that really a disorder? Or is it just a normal part of our existence that we power through on some levels with some people? I'm not saying that anxiety disorders don't exist. Anyways, that's a really encouraging thing to just like look and say, this is a new situation, but how can I identify places that I can step in? Yeah. You said you got, you made captain of cheer. So you see, yeah. it seems like leadership's always been a mark that you've carried. Yeah, my dad instilled that in us at a young age. How so? He's always, he, he, he's always told us, he always told me, you're the leader, not the follower. Mm-hmm. You're the leader, not the follower. And he did every day before I go to school. Remember, look here, you're the leader, not the follower. Wow. So just almost like a mantra every day, something, just an affirmation. And yeah. And I believe that I just, I believed it. It didn't mean I was a super loud leader. It didn't mean all at all times, but I knew that I had a responsibility to not follow the crowd, Mm -hmm. um, to stand out and, and that looked different throughout my years growing up. But that's always been introduced to me. My dad has always reminded me and my siblings but me in particular, just being like the oldest, mm-hmm. you're the leader, not the follower. Yeah. In your neighborhood, in your school, at church, you're the leader. And so, um, yeah, that's just part of part of me, for sure. What makes an effective leader, besides mm-hmm. just being a leader and not a follower, what sets a leader apart? I think being able to just listen and being able to, being able to feel people. Mm-hmm. I think you have to see them and feel them, Mm -hmm. and listen, and really hear them. I think that's why my kids, I listen to my kids, uh, my students. I listen to them. I can feel when they're hurting. Like, I don't dismiss that. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. Mm -hmm. I mean, I always agree, but I feel you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the fact that people want to be heard, and they want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I want them to know that I hear them, and I feel them. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't agree at all times, because we won't especially as a leader, you can't agree. You can't go, you can't agree with everybody on everything. Well, then you're following. You're following. <laughs> and leaders have to have a little bit extra, something extra. They yeah. able to make those hard decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when nobody else, you have to be able to stand alone when nobody else is, mm-hmm. is standing with you sometimes mm-hmm. because it's for the betterment of the group, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like it makes them respect me more and trust me more. Trust. To be effective in whatever it is we're trying to do. Trust is huge. Very much so. I don't do well with trust. You don't? No. Just probably why I need to be the leader. Do you know? <laughs> That's so bad. That's funny. <laughs> that, so do you do you know why? 
I don't. I think it goes back to, like I said, I've always had little pods of people. I just put my trust in those people. Mm-hmm. And that's just going with me. I don't I don't know why. Maybe I'm scared. I'm scared to just trust mm-hmm. any old person. I don't know. Well, you're really courageous. And so, I, you know, maybe you are scared. Maybe you're wise. Maybe it's a little bit of both. Because I don't think that we need to trust everybody. Do you feel yeah. like you don't trust to the extent that it is debilitating? No. Okay. No, not anymore. I just have a hard time putting myself out there mm-hmm. sometimes, being super vulnerable with all the people. I've got and you. And I can shrink. I shrink. I tend to shrink back. And mm-hmm. I only allow myself. I reserve that for your inner core. Yeah, group. core group. And that's even with my faith. We talk a lot about that in my church. Um, we have a curriculum called God's Love Bank, and it talks about like the different paradigms that we all have. And part of mine is learning how to trust and obey mm-hmm. in different situations. Trust God mm-hmm. and obey. So that that's always been a hard thing for me because I can do something. I can make it work I, on my own. All on my own accord. I like I can put, mm-hmm. I can make you do it. I can persuade you, girl. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do know exactly what you yeah. mean. I actually just experienced this I'm not trying to keep going back to this but because it's where I'm at in life like I found myself going through the grind of all the things that I know that I need to do say to build my business and I'm doing my prospecting calls and I'm writing notes and I'm reaching out to people I'm building relationship which is what I love yeah but I'm doing it like this is what I do. And so I'm going to build this business. I'm going to build this business. And then there was this little nudge in my spirit that was like, you are called to trust me with your business and to trust me. And that's not to say, don't do the things, right. do the things. But I hadn't just surrendered it to him at all. Right. And I went, oh, and I repented right then. And I, I said, God, I, I just am going to declare that you are sovereign and you are yeah. my provider and you are going to meet me right where I need it. And I just thank you for that. And I asked for what I feel like I'm needing right now, yeah. knowing that if that's not what I need, it's not going to happen right now, Absolutely. but ask, <laughs> you know, and I felt like I was aligned at that point. And so, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I was aligned. And so I, I feel like that's the most important time to really ask God for something because then our desires line up with him, the yeah, mean of cool. the father. And so when those desires are lining up, then that's when we say, God, would you bring this down? Would you please, like, you know, manifest this in my life? And not like, hey, I'm right here. And I'm like, hey, God, could you drop a million? Right. Um, But I did that. I paused and I prayed. And I don't walk in shame. But if I did, I'd be kind of ashamed of myself that I just lost sight. Like, what what happened to me there? What was that? I forgot. Yeah. And within 24 hours, I had a new client. And within a week, I got a random call. From an agent in Houston who doesn't know me from Adam. And they gave me a referral. And the reason that they referred me is because the person that's needing to buy here is a very dear friend of hers. And so she went online and researched and said, I saw your posts. I saw who you are. I researched you. I looked at you on Facebook. I looked at you and I thought, this is the one who will take really good care of my friend. And I was like... Within a week of me saying, oh, God, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to, like, take all this on and do it myself. I'm still doing all the things. Right. But that quickly to have a turnaround like that, a random person in Houston. Yeah. (laughs) I mean. Yeah. So it's really cool. That's so cool. I love that. And I feel like I look for those moments. I really, like, when those things happen, it reminds me to trust and obey Mm -hmm. because you can do all this stuff over here and still be stuck right sure in 20 seconds literally he can come and change turn that whole thing around and then the the awe and the gratitude that I have for him doing what he did how he did it because it's never Mm -hmm. how you imagined it to happen right Right. that's the cool part I'm like yo that's dope it really is beyond anything we could ask or imagine yeah it always it's like yeah because we, I mean, we always have a vision Absolutely. in our mind of what we think it needs to look like. Absolutely. And then God's like, hey, I'm going to show you something. Right. And, and then and you this... share that with the next person, which is what he wants. This mm-hmm. is why, I mean, you're not, yes. he doesn't, he shows it to you and does it in such a manner to where you can share that with the next person. 
so that he gets the glory again. Right. Spurring, and it spurs people on in their faith, and it gives him glory. That's That's, it. That's what it's about. And Mm -hmm. sometimes I can get stuck in me trying to figure this thing out and trust me and my gift, my talent, my whatever. Mm -hmm. Right? And it could work out. And sometimes it does. A lot of times it works out. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was nowhere in that. Right. My goodness. But when he is, the testimony that comes out of that and the power that comes out of that, um, and then I can I can draw back on that when I'm going through whatever I'm going through. I can share that with other people when they're going through whatever they're going through. Or I can just share that excitement. Mm-hmm. Man, it's a cyclical thing and he gets the glory. And I just, I believe that's what I'm, we're here to do anyways, is to give that right back to him. I love it. I so, love it. Yeah. I haven't had a lot of in-depth, faith conversations yet on here, but you know, my faith is really important to me yeah. and I know it's important yeah, to you. Absolutely. And so I appreciate that conversation. Yeah. When you moved to Abilene, mm-hmm. did that look like this is a complete possibility and bam, I'm going or were there challenges you had to overcome either mentally or physically, financially? Were there obstacles that you ran into? And then how did you transition through that to get all the way to Abilene that just seems that's so far away and I know you had your aunt to support you here but what kind of obstacles did you run into Mm -hmm. and how did you overcome them and how have they shaped who you have become as a woman yeah well the first thing is I came here practically sight unseen Mm -hmm. Um, I'd come here as a little girl a few times not a ton um, it's so far. Mm-hmm. Michigan to Texas, Maryland to Texas, that's just far. So when we roll up in here and I see tumbleweeds, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. So this is it. Oh no. Um, <laughs> culture shock number one. Not obstacle, but a culture shock. Culture for shock, sure. for sure. Um, okay. Just the tumbleweeds. I was like, oh my goodness. And I did remember going through the welcome week or whatever. My parents stayed a little bit longer because. You know, so far away. So far away, yeah. um, and, and my mom's sister's here, so they get a chance to, to hang out a little bit. But I remember um, feeling cool while they were here, meeting, like, my roommates. My roommate was my, my aunt's best friend's niece, so mm-hmm. that was cool. I felt okay about that. Um, but I remember when my parents left, I bawled. Mm-hmm. I cried in my dorm room because I was like, this is it. I'm really by myself. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I had the weight of the world to, like, finish because I had eight other people actually at the time it was seven watching me and you you were a first generation first gen- parents went to college didn't didn't finish or graduate from a four-year university I felt I placed that weight on myself to like graduate mm-hmm. in a timely manner because I had these people that I love watching me and looking and rooting for me and wanting mm-hmm. to see how I do it right so that was a challenge within itself being first gen did not come from a lot of money being around people that did a lot of people on my campus did mm-hmm. they had cars I didn't have a car not only did I not have a car but I definitely didn't have these fancy cars I mean they would just come with all kinds of things I'm like oh my gosh how do you get that it was a struggle to just get there mm-hmm. right those were obstacles being there with not a lot of people of color mm-hmm. that was a challenge mm-hmm. definitely didn't have professors that looked like me mm-hmm. um, didn't see a lot of people that looked like me mm-hmm. on campus. That's a challenge. We just come from different places. And then coming from the East Coast, there's a culture shock there, right? We keep to ourselves. We're nice people, mm-hmm. but we don't go to the gas station and have conversations with you. Like, we're just not doing that. Like, <laughs> I'd be like, what? What are you doing? Like, why are we had Like, you know, I have a great- so much... So much of that here. I have a great story. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I went to New York City in, I think, spring of 99. And we were on the subway. And my friend Patty and I were just sitting there on the subway. And Patty is, I mean, she's like the picture of Southern charm. And, like, she's just, like, always has <laughs> this huge smile. And she's so as sweet as syrup, you know, like, she's so sweet. And she was just making conversation with all of these people on the subway around us. And you could just see everybody tense up. And I watched this lady, like, grasp her purse a little closer because I she thought that it was a diversion. It's a scam. Yes, yes. Like, she's talking to people because somebody's trying to get our mm-hmm. attention. Somebody's going to steal my stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just, <laughs> yeah. Like, it was so 
so so you're you're here and you're going to gas stations and you're like quit talking to me i just want to fill up my tank i'm just like watch i'm just like this is i didn't have a tank to fill up that's true but right right yeah yeah yeah. that's the thing i'm like this is so different so i and it for others, they'd be like, why are you so mean? I'm like, I'm not mean. Uh-huh. We just don't do this. Like, we just don't sit here. Like, you just don't do this. It was just so weird uh, at first. So that was different. And then once they got to know me, like, oh, you're far from that. It's just, mm-hmm. we come from different cultures. It's mm-hmm. just different ways of life. So That uh, is so important. And it's, you know, also you see it, though. I think we are so quick to judge people out of our own fear of what's mm-hmm. going on with them. My sister-in-law is pretty quiet when she's in a group of people, especially if you're at a restaurant or something. Well, she's also got a profound hearing loss. Yeah. So she's super sweet. She's as kind-hearted yeah. and funny, and but she yeah. can't hear what's going on at the table when they're... So we never know. And she's yeah. not advertising that to everybody. She's no. not just like, oh, everybody look, I've got my cochlear here. Right. You know, she's not right. saying that. She just is sitting there trying to be as normal as she can given Absolutely. the situation. And people who are shy, automatically people will think that person is a snob. We just need to give people grace. So you mentioned something earlier, and I really feel like this is a platform that you have that is so powerful and necessary right now. You mentioned the fact that you came here and you went to school and you were like, there aren't a whole lot of people that have the same skin as me and the same hair as me. And yeah. and so that has impacted your life, and that is a really big dialogue right now that's needing to take place in our country Absolutely. and so I love that you take action within the sphere that you're able to not everybody recognizes how they can build a sphere right around them mm-hmm. of influence mm-hmm. but you recognized a need and you decided to take action and so talk to me about how your curly cougs and the yeah. conference kind of developed. I this is amazing. I want to talk to you too about natural hair. Yeah, I saw a statistic the other day on Facebook, and and I don't know if it's legit or not. I didn't go research it, but it had to do with like that women of color who have natural hair are less likely to be hired. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense to me, but it's a reality Absolutely. that that you face and that women of color face. And I just want to talk about what you're doing to be a game changer and an educator and, and a life changer for others. So, yeah, yeah. All of this stuff is just out of the context of my own crisis. Right. I feel like that's where purpose comes from Mm -hmm. the context of your own crisis. And so, yeah, growing up, not just coming here because this is a, this is not just a Texas thing. This Mm -hmm. is a national, this is a worldwide global thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I did not, have especially here but in other places it's it was nothing it's nothing still to be the only black woman Mm -hmm. in a room the only black person in a room of your peers and we have different experiences Mm -hmm. and having to learn how to adjust in those situations Mm -hmm. and if you've never experienced that for a long period of time you really can't it's hard to understand Mm -hmm. it's hard to understand like how to be literally the minority for the majority of your life right and have to learn the way the world and society works Mm -hmm. under the rules that we live in Mm -hmm. right I grew up not seeing a lot of brown girls books Mm -hmm. didn't see brown people in books Mm -hmm. you didn't see brown girls on magazines I didn't have a lot of brown Barbie dolls there was like one or two Mm -hmm. available one cabbage patch doll did you know my very favorite cabbage patch doll as a kid was my brown cabbage patch doll like I have pictures of me just toting that baby around (laughs) I mean but that's rare it's rare and yeah it's rare um now fast forward these little girls there's so much more that's out there but it's because of people using their voices Mm -hmm. right now we have books we can see more people that look like them in public on public platforms that's so important to me so I knew that growing up I knew what that did for me and when I would see somebody that looked like me it made me feel like oh I can do anything Mm -hmm. that was so cool it was great to see my mom it was great to have my aunts right to see them doing what they were doing 
that made me feel like these things were possible. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I, ex- I extended that to other young girls in particular. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I went to schools where I didn't, I never had a black teacher mm-hmm. ever. Wow. Mm-hmm. I've never had a black teacher. That's insane. To yeah, me. that is. That's it crazy. Is. But that's the world. That's, that's the world that I lived in there. And I'm an 80s baby, so I'm not, mm-hmm. you know, 99 yet. So it was important for me when I was presented with opportunities um, in the workforce, like the one that I'm in right now as a cool counselor, to make sure that um, not only do I do a good job in, in love on any and every student that walks through my door, which I do, mm-hmm. but it was important for me to be um, an example to my brown kids, mm-hmm. in particular my black girls, mm-hmm. um, and letting them see that you can do and you can be anything mm-hmm. that was so important and so for me it was doing being intentional in how I dressed mm-hmm. what I listened to in my classroom mm-hmm. what I posted in my classroom mm-hmm. right how I did my hair mm-hmm. the conversations we would have one-on-one because what I was seeing is when I started at my school in 2013 the black kids mm-hmm. gravitated towards me because mm-hmm. they didn't have and we had a couple coaches that was yeah. that and they would have all these questions and the girls would start saying yeah the boys don't like us because our hair isn't straight or I want my hair to be bone straight mm-hmm. I don't want it to be puff, poofy nappy mm-hmm. kinky they would get made fun of for like how they looked mm-hmm. and I had to, I was like oh. at the time I had relaxed hair mm-hmm. um, because growing up I was taught, I seen from society, straight hair was best. Okay. You wanted to fit in with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So I had to relax my hair like everybody else so that I could fit in. Because I I didn't want to stand out, right? I got you. And so I had a relaxer. And I went through all the things to make sure that my hair was super straight. Mm -hmm. But when they started to talk about those things with me, it was, I said, this is an opportunity for me to help change their paradigm. So I went on a natural hair journey where I stopped getting relaxers Mm -hmm. and I allowed my hair to literally grow out of my head the way that God intended it Mm -hmm. to to grow. And there's nothing against a relaxer, but I needed to see for myself what my hair looks like without it being altered. And I wanted my girls to see the professional, their hair, what their hair could look like and what you, what you could do despite having a head full of curly Afro hair. You're getting me choked up because I, I'm just like, you're right. This is something that I could not ever understand yeah. personally. Yeah. I didn't know it was going to get me emotional because I know about this and I've talked mm-hmm. about this. And one of the things that was particularly eye-opening to me was that there's like very few options in town. Maybe one person mm-hmm. who is trained in taking care of African-American hair Mm -hmm. and our foster parents, Mm -hmm. some of them were not being trained in how to care for hair. And so these girls are having to go to school with their hair looking a mess because nobody knows how to take care of it. And if you don't feel your best, kids and people are cruel. We can be cruel, right? Mm-hmm. Can you imagine what that does to their self-esteem and to their self-worth? Mm-hmm. I've just, I've seen that. I've just seen the girls come in here and there was, there's times when the girls come in, hey, Miss Gant, do you have any gel? Do you have any whatever? Mm-hmm. Come on in here, sis. Let's get you hooked up. Because I know what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a relaxer until I was 14. Mm-hmm. So from 1 through 14, I had all, now, oh my gosh, all this beautiful, <laughs> full hair, natural mm-hmm. hair. My mom and my dad was like, hear it. This is who you are, right? Yeah. I begged and begged and begged and begged because I would have people from the schools. They would make fun of me mm-hmm. because it wasn't, it didn't look like them. So it's so important to me that those kids, like I know what it felt like to go to school with pigtails or with mm-hmm. poofy hair and mm-hmm. like you have to endure hearing mm-hmm. all the comments mm-hmm. from people because they didn't get it, right? Mm-hmm. And I fought tooth and nail until I could, until they allowed me to get my hair relaxed so that I could just fit in and not that's one way that I didn't, I didn't have to worry about that. I had to worry about my skin. I had to worry about all mm-hmm. the things. But that was one way I could fit in and them not talk bad about me. Mm-hmm. Wow. That was so important. Right. So it was important for me to just, one, go through that journey for myself to remind myself, this is, this is who I am. I love that. And I'm fierce mm-hmm. with straight hair and I'm fierce with 
afro hair mm-hmm. and I'm smart with an afro and I'm smart with a shortcut bob like mm-hmm. my hair does not define who I am but I needed the girls to see that and I need to remind myself and so I went on this journey allowed my hair to grow out and I would cut the relaxed ends off and I just had this little bitty afro it wasn't really little bitty because I let it grow out for a while mm-hmm. um and that was my journey and the kids started some of the girls started going the same journey with me Mm-hmm. And from there, I said, we just need to have conversations about this. Let's just have some real conversations. So they would come in at lunch mm-hmm. and we just start talking about some of their experiences and um, me helping to debunk some of those myths and helping them helping to speak truth in places that they were fed lies. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, it just turned into this thing to where I said, we're going to do this every month. Let's, mm-hmm. We're going to call it curly coops and we're going to go over hair maintenance and um, natural hair, and from there we're going to talk about what's inside of us. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to build our futures from the inside out. So we're going to talk about beauty and all that stuff and health, but then we're going to talk about self-worth and mm-hmm. self-esteem and confidence and the fact that melanin is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And in My Little Chocolate Girls, we talked about that. Mm-hmm. You don't get to be ashamed. You mm-hmm. get to be proud mm-hmm. of the pigment of your skin. Um, so from there, we had a group called, have a group called Curly Coogs on campus Mm -hmm. and we've met for the last, what, six years now. Wow. Um, on campus. And so there's more in 2015. Yeah. Yeah. We started a girls conference. So tell me about that. Was that start, was that birthed out of? It was. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Just, because what I would, this was just on the Cooper campus and it was just so many other girls, like. This is not just happening at Cooper. Mm-hmm. It's happening everywhere. And so I decided to put on a little conference for the community. Mm-hmm. Um, I talked with our mayor, Anthony. He wasn't our mayor at the time. Mm-hmm. But Anthony, he's a really good friend of mine. and said, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, he's somebody, in my my opinion, that is a mover and a shaker. Mm-hmm. And it's about solutions. And so I said, hey, how can I make this happen? And he mm-hmm. started to, to help me just make this vision come to life. Um, Really, he really was, and so put on this little conference for the community. Yeah, and I love it. You girls, I think that you're a master of leveraging the resources around you. Like you, gotcha. you recognize and you take action, and you figure out who and what you need to have around you to make things happen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I, absolutely, because I can, I may have the vision, but it's not gonna, it can't just stop with me. Mm-hmm. Like, there's too many people, too many gifted people in this world that mm-hmm. we need. We need one another, and I fully recognize that. So, how yeah. long did it take you to take action from the time you had the vision? That's a good question. So, I did that in 2015. A few months prior to that, I was in a Bible study, Bible class at church, and our Bible school teacher encouraged us. To step out on faith and into like to take a leap of faith mm-hmm. to do what was always been in your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, that had been in my heart for years mm-hmm. to do something of this sort because mm-hmm. um, it's out of the context of my crisis. Mm-hmm. It's what I know. It's what I've lived. I want to um, stop there for a second because you keep saying that, and I love yeah. it. And it's important to emphasize to anybody who's listening to this because a lot of people feel like they're in crisis right now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But out of the context of your crisis, your purpose Birth's grows. purpose. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that could be true. So wherever you're at right now in life, whatever your My crisis goodness. is, don't despise the crisis. No, embrace it. As challenging as it is to say that, embrace it. Because out of that comes purpose. Mm-hmm. And out of purpose comes freedom. Mm-hmm. What would you say to those who are in the thick of it and to hear someone say, I can't embrace this, that I'm done for? Is there any word of wisdom that you have like sealed up in your heart that you want to like let out for somebody that's in that position right now? Yeah, I'm a woman of faith. So this is just it's going to come from I just believe that God's word is truth, right? Mm -hmm. I'm honestly in the thick of it right now. Mm -hmm. The personal thing in life, I'm in the thick of it, Mm -hmm. in the thick of it. And my reminder, and it's in my home, it says, hold on to what he's told you. Hold on to what he's told you. I can only speak from that paradigm because that's that's what I that's what I know. That is your paradigm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who are in those in, in the thick of it right now, hold on to what he's told you. Mm-hmm. It's not over. Mm-hmm. It may feel like it, 
um, but hold on to what he's told you. And as long as I can hold on to that, I can live to see another day. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the truth of the matter. I literally have just gone from, I'm in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. There's just some personal stuff. And it's not pretty. It's not all rosy. Mm-hmm. And there's some sad moments and some crying moments and some questioning moments. But I'm holding on to what he told me. Mm-hmm. And I believe that not only will he bring me out of this, but he'll bring me out of this stronger. And the testimony from this will be so powerful that it's going to bless the masses. Mm. I love it. I'm going to I'm gonna be standing with you on that. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate it. So you've started the conference then. Started this conference. It takes six months for me to be like, no, for real, let's do it. Okay. So um, talk to Anthony. Let's let's make this. Let's do it. And we had 27 girls, I think. I think it was 27. And I was so scared. Like, I remember, like, crying that morning, like, nobody's going to come. We're not going to have anybody here. And then you had 27. <laughs> and we had 27, and it felt like 67. I was so, I was so happy. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It was my most favorite conference out of all the ones we've done because it was the first one. And it was just so beautiful. It came after a surgery. I had a, a major surgery. It came mm-hmm. out after so much. Mm-hmm. Um, my goodness. It was, yeah. So, so my favorite Bible verse, I don't know if I mentioned it in any of the episodes that you've heard, but is, um, don't despise the day of the small beginning. Yes. It's such a powerful verse. It's, it's tucked in, in the old Testament. So some people may not, (laughs) it's not, I I feel like that's the biggest coffee mug verse that should be out there. Absolutely. (laughs) And, And because it's so easy to think that we're going to start something and, and, and I don't think this is where you were. I'm just saying in general, sometimes we're like, I'm going to start this and everybody's going to come or like, I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to have a spike in listeners. And it, it's, it's the small beginning, but it also gives you the opportunity to pivot Yes. As you go, to learn yes. as you go. It's such an empowering thing when you remember that the small beginning is purposeful. Oh, my goodness. Out of that comes what everybody else sees. Mm-hmm. The millions and thousands and whatever else that we're trying to attain. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know what I mean? Right. But it didn't. It started with little things like 12 followers or uh-huh. 27 girls that's it you know what I mean it started with five dollars whatever that looked like and being committed that's right to that yeah being committed consistent committed and consistent and knowing that it's about the one in front of you that's it somebody asked me the other day I was trying to open a dialogue on Facebook which was the worst idea ever Uh and um somebody asked me you know like well what power do you wield kind of got snarky Mm -hmm. with me for trying to open a dialogue and because you know he doesn't know me and yeah. doesn't know my heart and I and it shut me down and I was like well no I don't wield some special power but it starts with one person yeah you know like my Absolutely. special power is the fact that I'm willing to listen and I'm willing to Absolutely. pursue understanding and I guess that is a special power because not everybody's willing and not everybody cares willing. and not everybody's willing to see the things that challenge their own paradigms. That's it. Yeah. That's, there's so much truth there. So what's happened since the 27 Ooh. and the first year? Oh my gosh. The 27 and the first year, I think we had like a $150 budget. That was from my, my own budget, my personal bank account. Uh-huh. And uh, so last year, thankfully last February, we had over, I think, 125 there. Oh, um, And maybe nine or 10 sponsors. Lives have just been changed. Mm-hmm. It's never been about the number for me. It's always been about the lives being changed, impact. about the impact. I can just tell you out of those conferences, how many young ladies I've had say, hey, I was cutting myself, but mm-hmm. I've decided to stop. Mm-hmm. Their caseworkers calling us, mm-hmm. saying, I don't know what y'all told them, but she's a new person. Tell me what your conference is about. What is the impact? And, yeah. and how do you... Yeah. Go after that. It's called Future College Curls. That's her. That's our thing. Um, and there's always like a theme behind it. So this year's conference or last year's conference, this year's conference was called Rise and Shine. Mm-hmm. And it's an empowerment conference for young ladies to come together to just be their authentic selves, mm-hmm. to let their hair down, mm-hmm. um, to grow and 
is more of a personal development conference for young people. Mm-hmm. And so we bring in different speakers from the community that has a word for those girls um, who, out of the context of their crises, can speak to them mm-hmm. in that moment on that theme, whatever the theme may be. Mm-hmm. Um, they get a chance to visit a college, go on a tour, eat in the cafeteria. Mm-hmm. They get a chance to have positive mentors come through. We bring college girls in mm-hmm. that does some small group things with them. They're always making crafts or whatever. They're making all kinds of things. Um, last year, they did a community service project where they got to bless the community um, in different ways. And so, like I said, it's just a chance. Uh, I'm really into personal development. Mm-hmm. I like bettering myself. Mm-hmm. I like hearing. I love that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and wish I would have known more about that at 14, 15, 16, you know, mm-hmm. years old. So this is just a way for them to come together and um, get that. They don't really know that's what it is, but mm-hmm. that's what it is. Wonderful. So. Okay, so we had a conversation over Thai food. Oh, cool. I know. Yeah. No, I want to go eat. We had a conversation one day, and you said something that really impacted me. Because we were talking about your conference, and you were saying, I'm really wanting people to realize this isn't just for girls of color. Like, it's not just for mm-hmm. black girls. I want people to know this is a an empowerment conference for girls. Like, yeah. and, and I said, have you thought about having any speakers come in who are white people yeah uh, just on the panel of speakers and you said something to me that was a paradigm shifter for me and I loved it it was you know I haven't because I have always gone to conferences where the entire panel was white yeah so why shouldn't white girls feel like they can come to a conference where the entire panel has different color skin from them yeah it's another one of those just simple things yeah. that it's actually a profound thing, but we don't recognize it when you're not walking through yeah. that, when yeah. you're not experiencing it. And yeah. so that's why conversations, I think, are so important. Absolutely. Because they help people to see, like, we all just yeah. need to start talking more. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see that it was, it's not an offensive thing. It's just the truth of the matter. No, it was so right? good. Um, yeah. That's intentional. We have diversified it a little bit. It's not my goal to never have a white person right. on the panel. Right. But it is my goal to put as many brown people in front of um, any girl, white girls in particular, young ladies. Absolutely. Um, because we have something to offer just as much as what, we, what we've what we received from y'all. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I need my brown girls. It's, not an, it's, it's inclusive to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. But I need them to see more of us up on those stages because they have that in them. Mm-hmm. That's what, and you said when you were younger, anytime you would see a woman of color who was in a successful position or a, or a role model yeah. position, you clanged to Absolutely. that or clung, clang. I don't know. Yeah. You did something yeah. to that and it helped you to realize I can Absolutely. rise up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's so important to me. It's just, it's just, it's a part of my personal mission. It is. Um, yeah. And it has everything to do with making, just continue to make young women feel good about themselves and rise up for themselves and their families and the community around them. That's mm-hmm. just so important to me. Um, so, yeah. I love yeah. it. And there's just so many, and, and we don't, and, and I'll be really honest, we haven't had a lot of chances. We don't get a ton of chances. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I go to these all the time. They're not there. or mm-hmm. There's one. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so many beautiful women black women women of color that have so much to say have so much to offer mm-hmm. that they deserve a seat at the table just as much as the next person if I can be the door opener because somebody's opened the door for me and allowed me to sit there you better believe it I I'm love that the next person I love it I always will mm-hmm. um, that's so, powerful yeah. yeah if somebody was listening to this locally and they wanted to say like or even you know surrounding or if even they wanted to fly in yeah. <laughs> how do they find out more about your conference future college girls so we do have a website that's under construction okay it's done it's futurecollegegirls.com but don't go to it yet um so i have a website but we also have an instagram page future college curls and a facebook page future college curls and then you just have me so you can yeah i'm, I'm all over the place um but yeah my prayer is that we get to do it we get to pull it off this year um, just with all of the complications and challenges right. with COVID. I have different ideas. I'm just trying to trying to make it work. We had a group that was supposed to come from Bermuda, uh-huh. um, which would be so wow. exciting to have them come, but we'll see. 
We will see. We'll see. I think if if we try to look too far ahead and predict anything right now, it's just going to steal our peace. This has been a a year, last few months of just resetting myself and um, just reorganizing something. So this gives me a chance to, if it doesn't work out this year, it gives me a whole year to like, man, make it bigger and better and just more purposeful for the next year. And I'm okay with that too. Yeah. I'm cool with that. So... So what does the reset look like for you right now? Say in the past six months since, or five months or so since mm-hmm. things kind of went a little wonky, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> What's the reset look like for you? Uh, being still. I'm involved in a lot, you know, just involved in a lot of different things. And um, a lot of those things don't aren't happening right now. So I'm able to be still. I'm able to journal more. Something that I absolutely love doing. Mm-hmm. And I'm able to like just be at one with my thoughts, my dreams, um, my past, mm-hmm. um, where I'm at right now. It's allowed me to like be intentional with friendships and relationships. Being single in, in a pandemic. I was going to ask you about that. Man, yeah. that was the first few weeks. That was a challenge. I thought I, I had a single life down pretty well but man, oh man it took a, a different turn on me when you're not in I, I didn't I didn't see anybody for months when everything's stripped away every yeah. opportunity to be around people and being single it's like yeah that was a an eye-opener um, in the first few weeks it was rough but like I said it allowed me to reset myself and then fall in love with some of the things about myself that I didn't even know like existed so it was purposeful so yeah my reset is just being still having more boundaries like protecting my peace more Mm -hmm. and just like enjoying the moments not taking things for granted Mm -hmm. the little thing because right now it's not it's not easy to just go hang out with a friend Mm -hmm. it's not easy to just go you know shopping at the mall like we take those things for granted Mm -hmm. shaking your hand Mm -hmm. hugging somebody yeah I haven't seen you in a while Um, and you know want to hug you but it's not even a thing right now you Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying so being grateful for the moments that we have mm-hmm. and not taking the things that we do have for granted. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. So my podcast is called pursuing Perfectcellence. Yeah. And it's kind of about a journey away from being paralyzed by perfectionism. Yeah. And so one of the things you mentioned and Christine also mentioned was just having a, it's a really good description is having a mental flow chart of every possible contingency yeah. When you're trying to process something or thinking of a goal that you want to do. Um, do you feel like you are perfectionistic or have you ever been perfectionistic? I don't. Okay. I don't feel that way. I will say that in my mind, I can be a little obsessive. I'm not as quick to like pull the trigger on something mm-hmm. unless in my mind it's attainable. I have all my, my ducks lined up in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I'm going to like, I'm going to, mm-hmm. so yeah, maybe in that sense. Yeah, I'm, a little I'm bit. Little that bit sounds more a little cautious. Mm-hmm. I'm not just going to go for it. It'll take me a little while, but I don't feel, I like things to be right. I like things to work out. You're talking about being prepared versus expecting perfection of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I don't, yeah. I don't think that's me. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, I just, like, I feel like I have, I think I learn from people who, aren't perfectionistic and I learn from people who used to be perfectionistic and I learn from people who are perfectionistic and to see yeah. what what where people are held back. I will say there was a point where I wanted to always look like I had everything when I was younger. Like okay. I had everything under control. That's a really good distinction right there. Yeah. I will say that. When I was younger, I wanted it to look like Everything was cool at all way at all times. I didn't want to draw a lot of attention to myself, mm-hmm. so I would play things down, right? Mm-hmm. Make you feel like like it's no, it's not a big deal. I could be screaming inside. I could be panicking inside. I could be stressed to the max inside, but I would like make you. You wouldn't know for the most part. You How has that know. changed? It goes back to the teaching that we get at church. Shout out Ministry Church of Christ. I know. I'm like, uh, give them a shout out. That's awesome. <laughs> ministry. Um, yeah. Um, I've learned that I am chosen for a purpose. Mm-hmm. That I don't have to put on a front. Mm-hmm. I can just be who I am. And I'm okay. Because I show you, like, I'm scared. 
I'm nervous. I'm excited. I don't have it together. I got this together. I'm really good here. I suck here. Mm-hmm. It makes you human. It makes me human. And Relatable. It makes people feel like they can connect with me. And it makes me like just feel like I can be myself. Mm-hmm. That was important to me to like figure that out. That's a really great nugget of wisdom for anybody. Like there's so much more power and impact behind depending on what your goal is. If your goal is to look like you've got it all together, then okay. I feel like that's probably based a lot in fear, Mm -hmm. fear of rejection. Fear of rejection. Um, but then just to realize your vulnerability frees other people up to be themselves. And also, validates others in their own struggles that they may be keeping inside Yeah, because they're afraid. First of all, they're afraid they're the only ones that feel that way. Secondly, they're afraid, what will people think? What will people think? Mm-hmm. That was always my thing. I will say that. I, I walk in my chosenness. I love that. I walk that. in my chosenness. I don't have to, which is why I, like, I preach being your authentic self. Like mm. I can walk in my chosenness I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for a reason. I can walk in this. I am accepted by the one who who matters most. Mm-hmm. And because he accepts me and all my flaws, mm-hmm. I can be who I am created to be. And I can allow you to be the same. But when I wasn't that way, like when I get in that rut and I still have those moments, not only does it not free me, but you don't want to be around me. I see. Yeah. You don't yeah. Want to be around well, yeah, person, exactly. Right. Yeah. We all have key moments in our lives that set us in a particular course if we let them and we've talked about some of that but can you think of a time that you can put your finger on in which you were like this isn't working and I have to choose something different not like a specific moment but really just like it's not working for me not to be who I am Mm -hmm. like middle school high school a little bit of college like that just that wasn't it isn't it interesting I found in Everybody I've talked to so far, there's it's almost like there's this age between about age twelve mm-hmm. until where they where they had a moment and they realized it's like this something happens around age twelve. Yeah. And maybe it's a little younger, maybe it's a little yeah. older, but somewhere around there that I, we lose sight of who we are. Yeah. And if you go and you look back at your life before age twelve and you look at who you are now. Yeah. You can line those two things up a lot That's easier true. than you can any of that in-between time. That's true. Isn't that interesting? That's true. Yeah, there was no worries. There was no... I was just... You were just who you were. What practices are you absolutely committed to that help lead to your personal growth? I'm into reading. Mm-hmm. Um, I love me some Rachel Hollis. That's my girl. Oh, I love her. I love well. her. She's so real. I love her. Um, we went to her conference last year, mm-hmm. last summer. My goodness. She's fantastic. I love I love her. So yeah. reading, um, whether that's a book or listening to a podcast mm-hmm. or just a little quote from a magazine, like those kinds of things, I, those things find me. Mm-hmm. They just find me. Making sure that the circle that I'm in, that there's a give and take, we feed one another. That's great. It's not a one-sided thing where they're just all feeding me mm-hmm. or I'm just feeding them. We feed one another. Are there seasons, though, that you can say, like, sometimes I'm feeding more and then other times I'm being fed more? Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely. Because we just have, yeah, there's just different challenges that pop up or life just pops up. Um, but we're pretty consistent in, in the fact that we can feed one and like, we can feed one another. So just making sure that I align myself with people mm-hmm. um, in my circle that can help that I can help to grow and they can help me grow. What you value are intimate relationships. Intimacy Mm -hmm. is that trusting back and forth ability to be raw with one another Mm -hmm. and to call one another up. It's kind of the good, the bad, the ugly. Yeah. Um, It's not superficial. It's real and genuine. That's the benefit of keeping your circle small. Super small. And that's not for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I happen to think that it's really necessary if, Mm -hmm. if you are growth minded Mm -hmm. to, to have that. Mm -hmm. What's your big why? I feel like I'm, I am the return on God's investment. 
I, I love need to that. make sure that, like, for me, I want to make sure that he's pleased with his investment, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like he's given me different things um, to use to share with other people, and I need to be a good steward of that. Um, because at the end of the day, I just want to please him. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even, like, I can't, that's just it. I just want to please him. But besides him, my family, my brothers and my sisters, my nieces and my nephews, they're my why. I need them to see, like, no matter our circumstances, we can rise above mm-hmm. and um, we can do great things. I want the people that meet me and have contact with me to feel better off for meeting me. Like, mm-hmm. I help them to be better. They always help me to be better. Mm-hmm. My kiddos, my students, they're the wise. When I see them change, their the trajectory of their lives change because of a choice like college or finishing high school. Mm-hmm. Um going to the military mm-hmm. um, when I see them become engineers and teachers and get married and have babies like mm-hmm. and know where they came from and some of the stories that they have lived through mm-hmm. that's my why mm-hmm. yeah I want to see people win I love it I just want to see people win I think God wants us to win mm-hmm. I know he wants us to win mm-hmm. and I want to see people win like it's important to me that you win mm-hmm. you win I'm winning mm-hmm. like when you walked across that stage, we both walked across that stage. Mm-hmm. When you bought that house, we both bought that house. And when you had that baby, and I know the, how hard it was for you to have that baby, we both got to experience that, mm-hmm. like the joy of that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I just want people to win. That's, that's my so thing. awesome. You know, when we were at in the cool program working in the summer when you're, you left an impact, I mean, you've left a lot of impact on me. Y'all had gone to do some presentations or something and, and we do a cool report every summer and Mm -hmm. I like writing. I like being creative. Mm -hmm. I kind of knew the gist at this point of what we do. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, I'm just going to knock out some of this because otherwise I'm just kind of sitting here waiting for somebody to tell me what to do. I don't like to sit around waiting for people to tell me what to do. I like to, I like to do, I like to take action. And, and so, um, I started working on the core report and y'all came back later and you came into the office and you like pulled up a chair <laughs> and you got eye to eye with me uh-huh. and I was thinking like, oh my gosh, what did I do? Like this is, cause that's yeah. not standard necessarily for people to do this. And you said, I just want to thank you. I saw that you just started working on all of that stuff while we were gone and you know not everybody takes initiative like that and I just wanted to tell you how much I recognize that and I appreciate that and like I don't remember all the work you know you say like that expression people won't remember what you said or what you did but how you made them feel and so I don't remember the exact words but I do remember that in that moment I felt so valued and so just encourage like okay she sees me oh my goodness you know it Girl, was and we miss you oh that cool thank report. you listen every time i look at it i'm like <laughs> Key, it's your gift it is it's a part you. of what you should do and, and i so. tell you what's really funny about that is my very first day it you know when something's emotional we remember it but yeah. if it, there's not a whole lot of emotion tied to somebody else they may not remember it as strongly yeah well, um, my very first day on the job, I mean, like, right out of the shoot, or the first week anyways, yeah. um, y'all had been working on the core report, and Christine, just because we go so far back, mm-hmm. and she knew that I was a writer, she knew that's what I do, and so she's yeah. like, hey, I want you to come in, and I want you to sit down with the team, and I just want you to go over this core report, and I want you to give them some edits, and yeah. um, and I remember sitting there like petrified and thinking, Oh my goodness, these people have been working so hard on this report. And I'm here like on day one or two saying, and if I were you, I would change this. And this flow is better right here. And I was, I was so petrified to be in that position. And then like the next summer, (laughs) what was so funny is the next summer rolled around and y'all were like, Hey, Anna, Come on. Yes. So, anyways, goes back to look. 
you can have a vision, but we need everybody's gifts to make that vision come mm-hmm. come to light. And that's just a gift of yours. It's something that comes easily. And that's what yeah. we all have to remember is that there are things that come really easily to us. Yeah. There's a reason it comes really easily. Yeah. That's not to say, like, don't challenge yourself in yeah. areas where things don't come easily. But do recognize that just because it comes really easily to you doesn't mean it comes right. really easily to anybody else. And that's what sets you apart. And that's what the world needs. That's what the world needs. So That's what the world needs. And that's what the cool team needs. <laughs> <laughs> miss your work. I could contract so, out some writing. You know, <laughs> see what I got. Yeah. Numbers. Um, so if the world was your audience for five minutes and it was a guarantee that they would hang on your every word, what piece of advice would you give? That's a bizarre piece of advice. No, don't kidding. I still want to keep that in there. (laughs) Oh, don't do that. Um, what would I, if they could hang on to every word, hmm, my best friend tells me this all the time and I would say this now because I hang on to this all the time. Bet on the good 50. There's a 50-50 chance, right? Yeah. Bet on the good 50. I love it. Always leave room for hope. That's so good. So, yeah. She's, she's told me that for years, and it's gotten me through a lot. Bet on the good 50. It's a good yeah. piece of advice, Key. Yeah. I started this podcast just kind of like I knew I needed to, and I didn't know why exactly, and... I am getting so much out of it, and I, I hope it. that other people are too. I love it, yeah. Because it's just so, these conversations, they spur me on. Yeah. Thank you. It. Thank you for thank being you. here, and thank you for just being willing to sit down and talk about all these things. I mean, and I wouldn't do this with any old person. It's not my thing, but, oh, Thank know. you. Yeah. Thank you. You, you are so special, and you have such a... You're, you just have so much to give. You. you have so much impact. And if I can provide one more avenue for you to make an impact, I am glad to be a part yeah. of that. So I appreciate it. This was fun. Cool. Friends, thank you once again for tuning in to this week's episode of Pursuing Perfectcellence. If you felt inspired and you felt empowered, please pass it on to a friend. Let them feel empowered and inspired alongside you. As always, you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at Pursuing Perfectcellence Podcast. I'm also on Twitter at P-E-R-F underscore excellence, or you can email me at perfectcellent at gmail.com. Until next time... Let's continue this journey away from the paralyzing pursuit of perfection and toward the empowering expectation for personal excellence. I'm loving this ride. I hope you are too.